In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector and we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world we'll cover everything military from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder to navigating government programs dealing with family issues to the struggles of deployment along with being a working mother both in and out of the home this is military mom talk radio and here are your hosts sandra beck and robin boyd Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and we have a great show today. There's so much we cover, Robin. I love that about our show. I do, too. You know, it's always something new, something different, and we're always looking to find all kinds of stuff. I, I have more fun sometimes. You know how it goes. You click on something. You find a blog. You click on something. It brings you to a site. You click on something. <laughs> the next thing you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Isn't it the truth? There's yeah. so much, you know, there's so many great uh, sites out there. And, you know, and I love the idea that blogs allow us to have, like, the same exposure that a uh, company, you know, that spends, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars right. on their Internet presence, and somebody puts up this cool little military blog, and, you know, and it proliferates. Absolutely. And it is a, it's a sharing thing because we are starting to spread out there and we're on uh, quite a few sites and they're on ours. So that reciprocity really is wonderful. We appreciate all the people who we've uh, been able to share information with. Well, and you know, when you talk about the sharing of information, We've just had some amazing authors on the show this year and last year. And when we um, come in second segment, we're going to talk to uh, Commander Sherry Snively. Uh, she's a Navy chaplain and with her BS in economics. And she has just made this, this just beautiful book, Robin. And I got some other books today in the mail, which was really fun because we're just going to have, you know, the best authors out there on our show, and um, another book that came in today to the office was this book, Faith Deployed Again, and it's Daily Encouragement for Military Wives, so I'm encouraging everybody to check out not only the Faith Deployed Again by Jocelyn Green, but we're going to welcome Commander Sherry Snively coming up with Heaven in the Mist of Hell. There's so much great writing out there, and Robin, you brought up some things that you found on the web today that are interesting. Yeah, I did. As I peruse through, I like to jot down a couple of things, and I think that it's really nice when we chat to have a couple of items that I know are, are the buzz of the week. Um, I happen to be, uh, and there again, I didn't specifically look for something on the East Coast, but I happen to find an article from a newspaper in Framingham, Massachusetts, the Metro West Daily News, that talked about a group of World War II veterans who have been sharing their war, wartime memories to be included in a film, Saving the Reality. 
It's a documentary being made in partnership with the Museum of World War II in Natick, founded by, that's Natick, Massachusetts, founded by a man named Kenneth Rendell. Now, we have had quite a few um, people who have been involved in documentaries of World War II, so I just love the fact that there's yet one more outlet for these wonderful stories to be preserved. Now, this gentleman said he decided to make the documentary, um, which includes veterans uh, to share their World War II experiences for future generations after writing a similarly titled book that used images of museum artifacts to explain the origins and the course of the war. Um, it is directed by a man named Tim Gray. It is produced by this gentleman, the museum owner, Rendell. And it's going to be narrated by actor Dan Aykroyd. Really? And, yep. It's a 90-minute film, and it's scheduled to be released in November. And they're going to have their premiere at the House of Blues in Boston, which Aykroyd co-founded in 1992. Oh, I guess Gary Sinise was busy, huh? I guess so. And what's kind of neat is that um, this museum um, was begun because he, this gentleman is one of the foremost dealers of historic letters, documents, and manuscripts, and he is a native of Wellesley, Massachusetts, and he opened the 10,000-square-foot the museum in Natick, Mass., in 2004 and has filled it with over 7,000 military and historic artifacts of World War II. Oh, I bet and his wife was so happy to get that stuff out of the house. <laughs> Can you, so you know it's in the garage, garage the living like? room. Well, then, if you anyone is on the East Coast at all in the, in the months to come, part of the efforts to promote the documentary will be tours of the museum given every two weeks for the next several months. And the next tour is scheduled for Thursday, July 21st. And what's even more cool is that some of the veterans who are featured in the documentary are leading the tour, are, really? are acting as tour guides. So if anyone wants more information, please visit museumofworldwarii.com. So II obviously is World War II. You so know, that was it's, that, it's just so cool. It is so cool, Robin. It's so funny, like you know, because I have that problem when I when I do Google searches for World War Two because I never know whether to put like WW space two WW two WWII. Yep. Well, this is II, and so it's Museum of World War II dot com. Uh-huh. So please check them out. And I I know my husband and his brother are heading down there at some point in time. This because uh, my brother in law doesn't live very far from there. So they're going to check it out, and we'll give you a first hand um, review. <laughs> oh, that's so great! That's so great. I mean, you know, there's so many. What I found doing this radio show is that most of the stuff, Rob, don't you agree? Is the small everything starts at the small grassroots level. Yes. Yeah. You know, when I think of Andy Grant and Give to the Troops and Carolyn Blaschek and her Operation Gratitude and, you know, you look at these museums that start out of personal collections and then they just kind of take on a life of their own. It's amazing what we do as individuals to honor, you know, to honor our military, honor our past and honor our soldiers and Marines. And it but, is a wonderful vehicle for us and those in the civilian 
uh, arena just don't always have a way to say thank you. So what better way than to honor them by uh, creating these tributes, and whether it be a documentary or whether it be uh, articles or a, a continuous blog or whatever, those are, the, those are the ways that we can truly say we thank you. And uh, I, I look forward to having uh, the family go down and visit this because I'm sure it's just going with over 7,000 military artifacts. I just can imagine that this is just a stunning place to visit. It has to be because, you know, one of my neighbors, um, you know, back home where I'm originally from, outside of Rochester, New York, he collects um, World War II memorabilia. And it's everywhere in his house, Robin. It's in the living room. It's in the bedrooms. It's in the kitchen. You know, it's so totally taken over his house. And, and what's really funny about this guy is he's a native Australian. Oh, how interesting. And, you know, and they're deciding you know, what to do with all this stuff because he's, you know, he's a serious collector. He travels all over the world, you know, to to get these, you know, items. And he's got, you know, shells. He's got, you know, casings. He's got, you know, guns. He's, you know, anything you could possibly, uniforms. And, you know, it's his hobby and his, his passion in his life. And, you know, it's so amazing to me when I think of the passion that people have for our country. You know, when we had Rita Cosby on a couple weeks ago in her book, Quiet Hero, Secrets from My Father's Past, you know, her father was born, I think he was born in Poland, wasn't he? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah, it was Poland, and here yep. he is. This, and that's the, you know, that's the, that's why the country exists. You know what I mean? It's like we come from different places around the world. My family came from Germany and Poland uh, to this to the United States. You know, in the you know early part of the century and, and just before World War Two, and we come here to make this great contribution that can't be made anywhere else. And what's kind of interesting, too, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, it's wonderful to have different perspectives because if this gentleman you are just talking about is from Australia, that's a whole different perspective if there were people that he knew. Uh, I, I just am, am – I think it's awesome when somebody really is collecting from all these different countries because every single country had a different contribution, a different mission, a different purpose in in the war and to be able to look at it from all different points of view i even still like watching midway or uh, one of those movies in that you see the other side story as well and and it's just kind of it it is it puts out everything i don't know in a different light i guess well, I think it reminds me of, you know, the documentary filmmaker we had on that did that, um, yeah. the Mir St. Iglaise, you know, the woman who attended to the graves of the American soldiers, and she was the um, French woman, you know, the mayor's yes, wife. Yes, yes, the, the keeper and, uh, of the of the cemetery yeah yeah the keeper of the graves and and you know sending you know rubbings back from the headstones to the families in the united states and it it really shows how unified we can be Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you know we aren't always unified it's very very true that was that was such a beautiful and there again those podcasts are all available on our website and on itunes we've had some very very interesting people how lucky to to be able to share that well, and how lucky we live in a country where we can contact, you know, because we have everybody from the Department of Defense to
to, you know, uh, a PTSD expert in Michigan, you know, doing his own thing and making a big difference uh, in the work he does. That was our Fuzzy Manning show. And, yes. um, oh, I, I, I say PTS, so we have to, yeah. <laughs> he, he likes to <laughs> take it off. And, um, you know, but a lot of these things, you know, we're making up stuff as we go along. You know, when we have those authors on that wrote the books about the moms, you know, being deployed and the moms being sent away and sometimes the moms and the dads, you know, there's so many different things that are happening in this war that haven't happened in the past. And for those of you just tuning in, my name is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Robin Boyd. Our guest after the break is going to be Commander Sherry Snively. She's written this outstanding book called Heaven in the Midst of Hell. You can hear us at toginet.com. You can pick us up on iTunes under Military Mom Talk Radio. And Robin, it's going to be great. We're going to come back from the break. Sounds great. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Multi-ethnic church with Mark DeMoz. Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, is a show that passionately addresses the question, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, then why on earth is your local church? They call us Yes, increasingly, our diverse population and the diverse families it's producing is reshaping the face of the local church as people are beginning to recognize the power and beauty of walking, working, and worshiping God together with others of different backgrounds. How can your church overcome the obstacles, and why should you even try? Join a live chat with guests from around the country and the world to learn the effectiveness of churches in the 21st century beyond race and class distinction. This show has its pulse on what it will take for the church to find real reconciliation in our generation. So tune in for the Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoss, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, here on toginet.com. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection. With host Mary Simaluka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on Toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things. And are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central, on toginet.com. Put a boot in your ass, it's in. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. 
covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, Military Moms. This is Robin Boyd. We're back. Uh, Sandra Beck and I are looking forward to welcoming our guest today. She is a U.S. Navy chaplain. She is a commander. She has a B.S. in mechanical engineering. I don't know how she has done everything that she has done because she looks so young on her picture. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Do we have Commander Snugly with us? Yes. How are you? Very good. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be with you guys. Well, your biography is just so amazing, and I can only imagine that there must not be a spare minute of your day. How how do you uh, go from, say, being in high school to being a Navy chaplain to being a mechanical engineer? Where where did you where did your path take you? Well, it was a pretty circuitous journey, as you can uh, as you can imagine. And yes, you're right. Life is uh, spinning pretty fast, even still today for me. Um, I started out originally in the Air Force, and that was part of how my path took me into economics and engineering. And um, through a chain of events, I I decided to get into the Navy and and quit my job in engineering and go to seminary. So, of course, to be a chaplain in the military, um, you have to train in your own denomination, whatever that is, and then once you receive the training and the ordination and the recognition from your own faith group, then, of course, you can go in uh, to the different military services and receive the military-specific kinds of training, uh, teaching you basically military protocol, how to be a military officer. That's amazing. That's amazing. And um, where did your religious path come into that all? Well, it's interesting because my um, my mother has a Quaker background all the way back to the beginning of the Quaker movement, which is what makes it kind of interesting for me as a Quaker in the military because traditionally um, the Quakers have been one of the groups in this country that have been pacifist. Um, and I get a lot of questions about that, you know, how can that, how can that be and how can that happen? Well, um, as a chaplain, I am a non-combatant. Um, we're not allowed as chaplains to, to be in that role. That is not our role. Um, mm-hmm. Our role is to be there supportive of troops and their families. So do you carry a gun? No, we don't. We're not allowed to by law. Okay. And can you... I'm the ignorant part of the group. Robin's the smart one. I don't even know what a Quaker is. I mean, I, I hate to tell you this. My experience with Quakers is really oatmeal. <laughs> well, um, if we remember a little bit of American history, um, they were instrumental in, uh, obviously, the state of Pennsylvania and also a lot of uh, some of the background of the writing of some of the original documents of this country and what was included in them. They were a, kind of a radical Protestant offshoot from the Anglican Church in England in the mid-1600s. I mean, that's kind of the, the quick and dirty history. Okay. So when you, how do you marry that with, with war? Well, um, for me, it's kind of interesting because my father was a Navy veteran 30 years. He spent um, three, three years on a battleship and then went to flight school as one of the enlisted pilots of World War II. 
and then from there he spent 27 years as a pilot. So he was Navy all the way, and then, of course, my mother's background was Quaker all the way back. So I'm kind of at the center point between those two um, streams of thought and also uh, life experiences, I guess. So I guess for me it was never really a question because that's kind of how I grew up blending that. Um, And like I said before, I think for me I'm very comfortable with that from a theological standpoint because I am a non-combatant. And um, Quakers have always been able to have um, a matter of conscience, and there have been several or many who have served well and faithfully in roles such as medics. So in support roles, um, the human human aspect. And so for me it works. It works well. So, so um, when you when you're doing your thing, is somebody protecting you? Yes, we have um, someone that we call RPs, um, religious program specialists, who all work as our admin personnel as well as in a combat zone. They provide our protection. And then, what do you do? Like, are you there to like? I'm Catholic, so I only know about confession. I mean, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my God, you know, somebody's shooting at me. Commander Snively, come quick. You know, I need to confess some things before I get shot. But what, what is, like, walk us through a typical day. Well, in some respects, what you, what you quickly find out as a Navy chaplain, and I think what makes it so exciting, quite frankly, to be in this kind of work, is that n- never, there's never a dull moment and no day is ever the same. So there's a lot of variety. And so some days you might just have people coming in for for walk-in counseling, but other days you have a lot of activity out and about. I think that's what characterizes um, chaplaincy ministry as being very different from anything else is because we actually are out there with the people as they're living, as they're working, um, as we're having chow together, as we're working out in the gym together. You know, there's no other place where, where I guess, ministers and people that represent the spiritual aspect of, of the human person um, are that well integrated into somebody's life. Absolutely. Usually, you know, you, you go in, you walk into a church. Sometimes you only go on Sundays or only go on holidays or go to temple. Um, and you really don't live with them, you know, unless you're the pastor's wife. But, but. <laughs> You know, you don't have that. You're literally with them, you know, sometimes probably 24-7 or, you know, while things are going on. So do you, like, do you, like, what do you do if somebody who comes to you who's Jewish? Are you well, skilled in all those different denominations? Well, at least we have some passing understanding. But what we do is we provide for our own people, of course, whatever their specific religious needs are. And then we facilitate for other people. So what okay. that means is if we, if we cannot provide their specific religious need, then we find somebody um, who can. Um, and either that's a professional that we call in from the outside or we do have a, a network of lay leaders that can help out. Um, and then beyond that, we care for everyone. So lots of times I think that just having a listening ear being that ministry of presence of somebody that really cares, um, that is outside their chain of command, um, can make the difference for people. 
Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so you specialize then in in the the Quaker service, men and women, and then administer to as as much as you are able to in the other denominations. Absolutely. I um, there aren't many Quakers in the military. Quite frankly, and so, I was gonna say, like I, I uh, never saw a mash. Like I need a Quaker stat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, in many respects, I kind of cover that general Protestant um, flavor. Um, so, but in Iraq, when I was over in Iraq, I was working. My primary duty was in the trauma hospital and the morgue, and also working with the EOD guys, which were the bomb guys that were out there on the roads hunting for the IEDs and things like that. So I wasn't doing a lot of what I would call specific religious um, provision. I was doing a lot more ministry of presence, um, kind of counseling people just as they're working and, and being there. And so counseling it, it, counseling is probably a, a huge part of your job. And do you counsel from the spiritual aspect, or do you counsel, like, you know, when I, I have a counselor, you know, that worked me through the divorce and my kids, you know, and she would cover everything. Do you, do you overlap between that, or are you really just from a spiritual perspective? Well, I think everybody has their own um, personal flavor on how they do what they do and what they're comfortable with. Of course, we would um, bring in the spiritual aspect of it, and then we also act as a resource advisor as well because there are times and situations where we really do need to refer out to people that are more skilled in specific counseling issues. So I think what we do, we're really the first-line people that are there because we are embedded in these units. We, we wear the uniform. We are officers. And so it makes us very unique um, among, among the helping professions. We are there really oftentimes as the front-line eyes and ears. And so we do – a lot of our work is a lot of uh, good referral. I mean, if, well, if we're and doing you're also first response, if exactly. you're present, you know, exactly. you really have to like kind of, you know, check out the whole situation and determine, you know, what is best for this person. Exactly. And so we're doing um, a lot of quote first aid. I mean, not necessarily first aid in the in the physical sense, but certainly in the psychological and spiritual sense. Right, like psychological and spiritual first aid. Exactly. So that then they can go on to wherever they will be treated or back into what's one of the most common questions you're asked oh lordy i think that depends on um where you are and and what you're doing i again i think it goes back to there's no one day that's the same i have a one of the stories in my book is actually about a a young man who had been injured and here you're thinking that he might ask some of the great questions of life wow that was close you know is there a heaven is there a hell um why did I survive? All of those big questions of life that you might expect somebody to be looking at at that point. Sure. He saw me coming, and I thought it was, it was funny. It was cute, and it was also a very good sign that he, he was going to be okay. He saw me coming down the hall, and he said, Hey, chaplain, I have one question for you. Do girls like scars on a guy? <laughs> and so it was really a lighthearted moment in an ER that sometimes saw some real trauma. And um, so that was, the, that was an example of a question that I was expecting something completely different than what came at me. 
And I think absolutely. That's another thing. Well, we're going to go to commercial break, Commander Snively. Okay. And I'm going to say for most of the women out there, yes, scars are kind of hot sometimes. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Sherry Snively here today. She's the author of Heaven in the Midst of Hell. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some of the stories in her book, and it is one of the most beautiful books you will ever see. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what the Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Now, this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number one with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. There ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, Military Moms. This is Sandra, and I've got Robin on her cell phone. Who's I am. <laughs> You are so you are so so dedicated. We all are dedicated to making sure that this you know this radio show stays on the air, goes on the air each week. You know, Mondays uh, two p.m. Pacific time. And you know, are you going to pull a Hoffman? Are you going to pull a First Sergeant Hoffman and have like maneuvers going on in the back while you talk on your phone? (laughs) Almost. Actually, my son is driving right now, and we're probably going to go in and out of dead zones. But I'm enjoying this conversation. So much, um, Commander Snively is just so interesting, and I do hope we talk a little bit about your book. We were just getting ready to do that before the break. Thank you. Well, and Rob, and 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 you know, for the listeners, yes, say, I have to describe this book to you first, okay? 
First of all, it's heavy. It's a heavy, beautifully printed, beautifully bound hardcover book, and it's got these wonderful, big, glossy photographs. But I have to warn you, some of the photographs are, they're not gory, but they're definitely alarming at times, and they really put to... They really put your heart to the test when you look at it. But this is a beautiful gift book, and you know, and I want to say that we have not had any any support or endorsement of this book. We're not paid to recommend it. It's just it's so beautiful, and it would make just the most beautiful gift. And what I loved about it the most, uh, Commander Snively, when I first saw this, I thought, oh, a Quaker chaplain, you know, she's going to preach to me. It's going to be religious in nature, and it's. <laughs> It's not. It's you know. It's you've got these amazing stories in here, um, and they span. Like I couldn't even pick which one I wanted to talk to most. You know, you write about the cops, the teacher, and the Beanie Babies, and then like when I think of our combat cougars, you know, there's the one I feel pretty. I mean, it just spans. It just spans the whole variety or the whole, I don't know, even how you put it. It's just there's so much going on over there, and you're on the front lines. And Now, first, where did you get all these photographs? Because some of these are really awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Actually, I took them all myself with two little pocket cameras that I had with me. Really? Absolutely. I had um, two little cameras, and at the time, um, they were only 5 and 6 meg. And they were cameras that would fit in um, in my camis. Because, you know, you, you cover everything from, you know, kind of what I expected to see, which are, you know, pictures of soldiers and, you know, pictures of people in front of equipment and, you know, some, you know, bloody uniforms. Um, but then you have, like, a blown-up tattoo, you know, of looks like the Grim Reaper. Yes. And then a Santa Claus holding a machine gun. Right. I mean, you have really captured, I think, so much of what we don't see in today's media because so, everything's so sanitized. Yes. And one of the photos in the book I just uh, received word is actually going to be in a fairly large art show here in San Diego coming up in August. So, um, uh, Which photograph is that? It's a photograph near the end of the book. It's um, one of a menorah. It's a makeshift menorah made out of Coca-Cola cans. Um, at the time, uh, the rabbi came through. It's on page um, 254. Um, the rabbi was coming through to do services during the holiday season, and nobody could find the menorah in the chapel area. And so he had to make do with what we had. So he set up a menorah made out of Coke cans. And what makes it so intriguing is the Coke cans are written in Arabic. So I took this photograph, this shot of, of the glowing candles and these red Coke cans written in Arabic. It really is kind of a striking picture. It says so much sociologically. It says so much kind of spiritually. Um, it's just there's a depth about that photograph, and I guess um, some other people thought so too. So I was very excited to get that word. Well, that is, I mean, it is, but there's, you know, and, I, and I'm not going to, you know, say that this picture is any better or worse than any of the other in the book. There's a lot of pictures that you look at and you just go like, oh, you know, and it goes right to your heart. And I, you know, and I get chills and I get all teary-eyed, you know, because Robin will attest I'm the crier on the show. <laughs> um, oh, I have my share of tears too, my dear. <laughs> well, but I'll tell you, there, there are a, times when I still look at... 
you know, I even hate to say coffee table book because a coffee table doesn't do it justice. Right. But I think anybody who has someone who served uh, or is serving, um, it's just such an amazing, it's just so beautiful. You know, you, you have captured so many different things. And, you know, and I look at books all the time because people send us books to review for the radio show, and it's very rare that I wax on and on about this. But there's, and it's, you can't really sit down. It's not a cover-to-cover read. It's like you read the story, you look at the photo attached to the vignette or the story, and it's um, it just, I think you need to be for a moment. Right. Isn't that beautiful, though? Because why would you want to read something like this cover-to-cover? Because you really do want to absorb the moment, the, the, the content that you just, the, the scenario that was just there, and that deserves time in and of itself without moving on for a bit. Right. Absolutely. Well, and the one thing, too, uh, Commander Snively, I look at, you know, we, we had, like, you know, um, we have a lot of different charities that come on our radio show, and I remember Carolyn Blasek talking about the Beanie Babies that, you know, when she started putting the Beanie Babies in, I don't know, seven or eight years ago into the Op- Operation Gratitude packages and, you know, the use of the Beanie Babies over there. And I would, you know, I would retell her story to different people, and people kind of look at me skeptically like, yeah, Beanie Babies, really, they're going to trade them with the kids to get information. Yeah, right, they're going to really wear them in their pocket. And then I go through your photographs, and not only do you have, you know, the, the Beanie Babies on a bed in, you know, that photograph, yes. but then you have actually three different photographs, and maybe I counted wrong, but three different photographs with soldiers with stuffed animals. You have an Eeyore and then one with another little thing sticking out of his pocket. Exactly. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Because we do get a lot of donations from our radio show to Operation Gratitude, and we want to thank Beanie Babies for providing these. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the a story? A little bit about the, the story? Yeah. Um, the, one, the story that you're talking about was um, with some Iraqi uh, cops that had been blown up in a bus, and they were in our hospital receiving treatment, and then another young man who was a teacher who was also Iraqi. And that photograph shows um, a pile of Beanie Babies on the bed, and it was just one of those lighthearted moments. I mean, there were so few moments, really, where people um, were smiling that it, it brought a moment of, I think, peace and connection to everybody. I know that sounds so cliche, doesn't it? But but I think it was really true. And um, as we sent this young man off who was a teacher, he was only about 20 or 21 years old himself, and um, we sent him off literally with a bag of Beanie Babies for his students that he was teaching. And my hope, of course, was, and I told him through a translator, um, that he would tell the story of the Americans being there and and what we did for people, um, both friend and foe, and how we helped, tried to help um, heal heal the people that came in wounded. And um, he, I think he was very touched. And he, he went away saying, yes, um, yes, I will tell those stories to my children, meaning not he didn't have children of his own, but his, his school children. 
Right, his students. But he probably, when he does have children of his own and does get married and carries on the stories, um, and it's just, to me, so arresting in these photographs to see, like, you know, what we take for granted here in the States, like, you know, my kids are spoiled, most of the kids are spoiled here, you know, they've got 50 Beanie Babies, and, you know, my son's favorite is this little rat, and, you know, to take this, I just wonder if the manufacturer of, of Beanie Babies would ever really realize what a role their little toys that they made to make a million dollars or $10 million would play in the part of our war. I mean, that's just such a cultural, strange phenomenon that you couldn't write. Well, and what's funny, too, is you wonder where are these Beanie Babies today? You know, are they still some loved little critter sitting on somebody's bed? And we used to kind of laugh, too. Um, we would go out and to our supply boxes, and we used to laugh and say that apparently they must be multiplying in those boxes at night because we just had boxes and boxes and boxes of Beanie Babies. But they, we really did use them, especially when children came in the hospital wounded. I mean, they really did make a difference. It's such a, I mean, that's such a beautiful thing, and it's such a, a testament to, to you never know what one little bit of kindness could do to make a difference in somebody's life. Exactly. Sometimes it's just the little things. I mean, I, I have in one of the other stories, too, and you talk about the little things like that, um, the little uh, lotions and shampoos and things that people would send over. You know, again, people might say, oh, well, what do you need that for? Or you can buy shampoo at the PX on the base or whatever. I was lucky. I was on a base that actually had a small store. But, you know, it, I think it's the, the reality is when you're over there, it's not so much what's being sent. It's just that somebody cared enough to send something. It, it's the make me cry. <laughs> it's the making of the connection. Well, and just... You know, the, the, the connection that you make with this book, you know, not only through your photography, but it's, it's beautifully written. And it's you have a knack, uh, Sherry, if I can call you that. You have a knack, sure. Sherry, of just picking up either, I don't know if it's the absurdity, if it's the, you know, juxtaposition of two really, really different things. Um, it just, it, it's just. It's just amazing. I mean, I, I can't tell you, right. beyond the beautiful book, it really makes you think. Right. Well, I, I, I hope so. I think so. I think also, since this is a, a radio program about moms, too, I think um, for me, I have two kids, and my kids were five and seven when I was over there. And also, it's been very interesting meeting a few of the moms of some of the guys that are actually in my book, some of the stories, and oh, wow. the connection afterwards. Cause, so in many respects, the journey continues. And some of the moms that I've met, um, some of the guys lived through it, and one of the moms that I've met, um, her son did not make it. So it's been a very interesting connection in that sense as well, very healing, not only for them, but for me. Because you guys were talking about crying, and there, there are times when I look back at these pictures or maybe I reread a story when I'm doing a presentation, and, yeah, it still impacts me. I mean, I kind of choke up at times. Well, and Dr. S or Commander Snively, we've got to go to commercial break. We are here today with Commander Snively. She wrote this amazing book, Heaven in the Midst of Hell. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about where you can buy this book. 
Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Come be a part of Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio. Her goal is to inspire you to be creative every day. Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Pat lives and breathes being creative through her quilt design business, but her creativity and interests have no bounds. On her show, she'll be introducing us to guests through interviews and talks that have a creative life. We'll learn more about what goes on in the world of quilting. And since Pat, like many of us, is creative in many ways, she'll also introduce us to creative people in other crafts like knitting, crochet, paper arts, and lots more. Pat is also an author, a lecturer, designer, and cheerleader of many. She's tried her hand at making almost everything you can think of and does many crafts to keep her inspired to create. Check out her website, patsloan.com. What makes Pat most happy is to inspire others to be creative every day. So join us for Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free, with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list and a Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, Military Moms. We're here today with Commander Sherry Snively. She is a chaplain in the Navy. She is also a Quaker. She's written this great book called Heaven in the Midst of Hell. It's a beautifully executed, photograph-rich coffee table book that will make you cry, make you think, and even in some places make you giggle a little bit. Um, I think you took a very difficult subject and sometimes gave us a little relief, a little lightheartedness. <laughs> yes, it's not heavy all the way through. It has some, like you say, it has some light moments. But that's well, some cathartic, some isn't of these, it? I'm sorry, Rob, go ahead. I was going to say, isn't, that's a cathartic thing to be able to go through a sadness or go through a joy, a relief, and have that vehicle to bring you through it. And that's, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Well, and what's even better about this book, Robin, is that a portion of the proceeds from this book will be donated to... Now, which wounded warrior do you have a bunch of them? Well, right now um, I've been working with a retreat center in Arizona 
who is actually um, helping out with the wounded warriors coming home. They provide um, retreats for free for veterans oh, who no, want to no. do some processing of their of their trauma, basically. It's That's so, so important, especially because, you know, what we're hearing, um, Commander Snively, what we hear from a lot of the people coming in and writing into our show is that um, they can't afford the services that they right. need, and also the services are not available in small towns or rural areas. Um, you know, people are doing the best they can to help, but without generous donations to help programs, and especially, in, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but it's a little program. You know, everybody's comfortable giving to large companies and, you know, the big organizations, and they do right. a great job not to take away from them, but it's so hard for smaller organizations to get started. and we have so many people to serve in so many different capacities. And, you know, so I'm just, I was really, I was so pleased to see that. Well, and I also think that it's going to take um, a little bit of everything, not just traditional approaches, but I think that everybody finds their own healing journey. And for some that may include journaling and writing and maybe some complementary therapies of different kinds. And so I think it's really important to try to support those kinds of things as well. Um, not just kind of the traditional model of of um, what we've always sort of done to try to help people with trauma. Mm. Commander, in the last segment, you alluded to making uh, speeches or, or giving presentations. Do you present this book in a public forum ever? I do. I've uh, done a number of presentations. I've uh, presented at professional conferences, and I've also done a lot of community speaking at libraries and also um, service organizations and things like that. Wonderful. Wonderful. That just brings it all the further. And how would people get in touch with you if they were interested in inviting you to their uh, events? Um, my website is www.ravenoakspress.com. And we'll find all kinds of, not only contact to you, but I'm sure it's all, all about the book there as well. Right. There's contact um, with me there. And then also the book um, is available on Amazon.com and ours also uh, BarnesandNoble.com. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, Commander Snively, what would you say was the couple most, what was the most unexpected things that you've learned in your career that you never thought possible that you learned in serving um, as an Army or, I'm sorry, as a Navy chaplain? And, you know, you brought up that wonderful moment, you know, where the, where the soldier asked you, you know, do girls like scars? Mm -hmm. Can you share us a couple of your unexpected, uh, not so much the moments, but your learning lessons that you've taken away from this experience? That's an interesting question, and I think that um, my first answer is I've learned a lot about myself and facing, uh, being able to face your own fear, being able to go into combat, because when you... And go into combat unarmed. Exactly, and try to be strong enough to be there to help other people. And so when you first look at that, you, you think to yourself, can I do it? 
And I think that we all kind of have those moments where we wonder if we're going to be able to withstand it. Whether I had conversations like this with the corpsman, very young corpsman, who had the same questions. Am I going to be able to do my job? I think that the, the combat soldiers that are actually carrying arms have that, that question, too. Am I going to be able to do it and not let my guys down? Um, so I think digging deep within yourself and realizing, yeah, you can do it. You're strong and um, maybe even stronger than you ever realized. I think um, that's one, one thing. The other thing is to staying open to the mystery. Um, I think sometimes people want to put their religion or their God in a box, and I think for, for me what this experience has taught me more than anything else is you can't do that. Life and God or whatever you want to call it won't let you do it. It's so much bigger than that. And so well, now let stay- me ask you, when you say staying open to the mystery of God, explain that because I don't understand that. Well, I guess um, the, the story that illustrates that for me is at the very back of the book in the last chapter. I have a story where I'm talking about coming home, and basically I'm having a flashback. I'm remembering on the airplane home um, the last bodies that we processed in the morgue. And so I'm reflecting on that, and that was four years ago, four and a half years ago. So now, fast forward four years later, I end up meeting the mother of one of these young men, quite by accident. I mean, we didn't know each other. And I'm a reservist, and I actually met her last year, uh, last summer, um, while I was actually doing a funeral for her father-in-law over in Honolulu. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, what are the chances of putting that together statistically? I mean, you couldn't make the story up, and you couldn't, you couldn't figure out statistically how to make that happen. No. So I think it was really truly a divine appointment that, that she and I ended up meeting. And then we walked down to this young man's grave because he's buried over in Honolulu. And I just happened to meet her because I happened to have a reserve billet that now I'm going over to Hawaii to do my reserve duty about once every quarter. So how do you explain stuff like that? And you see enough of that happen um, when you're over there in a combat zone. You know, the typical stories of why do some people live when they should have been blown to bits and why do other people end up dying? I mean, it's some of those kinds of questions You, you just don't, you don't have the answer for, but if you stay open to it, I guess those little moments of grace will come through, and you'll see those connections, and you'll realize that there's something much bigger going on here. Wow. Well, and that there's a plan is what I'm hearing you say, is there's a plan. We wow. may not know what that plan is, but that things are happening the way they should, they're unfolding the way they should, and that it's not just random. Well, and that you stand in awe. I mean, I, I just think that to me, it enlivens your own spiritual um, quest. I think that sometimes we can't figure it out, and maybe what we're supposed to do is just sit in awe and wonder and ponder. And that's okay well, think- not, not to have the answer. Our humanity sometimes gets in the way of listening to what God is maybe trying to either show us or, or tell us. And sometimes that's that's what we've got to do is slow down and, and put logic away and put our humanity away and open our heart and be able to say, okay, this is, this is my purpose and this is, this is what you're trying to show me. 
Well, and to me, it's about connection, connection both to yourself, to spirit, whatever you want to call that, mm. and to other people. So connection, compassion, gratitude, and learning to flow in that in the movement of the universe or the spirit. So now, it's going it, along with your, you know, what you're teaching us. For the military moms that are listening today, and their their wives, their mothers, uh, their sometimes aunts and sisters. You know, we really hit a lot a broad audience beyond motherhood. What is your best advice that you can give us, you know, stateside or you know, in support roles from your experience? Wow. Again, I know, that, I'm throwing these awful ones at you, but you're just too good not to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a big one, you know, because really it is um, situation dependent. I think, you know, bottom line is you want to know that there's a connection there. I think, like, for example, for me, one thing that my mother did um, here, I'm older, my mother's older, she's had a, her husband, you know, my dad was 30 years in the Navy, she never in a million years expected to have a daughter in the Navy, especially, you know, in older age, because as chaplains, we go in a little bit older than most people. And so, um, but she put a notice out to the whole community in our little community newspaper that I didn't even know about till I started receiving about a hundred Christmas cards from people I didn't even know. But people in our community that just wrote me a short little Christmas card. They included me on their Christmas card list and said, hey, um, your mom told us about you, and we just wanted to send you a card and say thank you and hello and hope you come back soon. So just the little things. It goes. It circles back to what we were talking about before. Just sometimes doing the little things is enough to make a difference. Commander Shively, I'm so glad that you could join us today. Um, you've given us so much wisdom and insight. You've helped so many people with your service. Uh, I want to thank you, you know, on behalf of Military Mom Talk Radio and everybody who uh, puts their time and energy into supporting this show for putting this book together because it's not a little thing. This is a labor of love. There's a lot of time and effort and a lot of heart that goes into this book. The book is Heaven in the Midst of Hell. The author is Commander Sherry Snively. It can be bought at Barnes & Noble, and it can also be bought at Amazon. A portion of the proceeds from this book will be donated to Wounded Warriors Charities, which is, again, not a small thing. When we come back next week, we will have another author to feature. We're also going to have uh, some surprise, because I will not be here. Right, Robin? You'll be taking over for two weeks. <laughs> I'm going on vacation. Have an awesome time. Safe travel, Sandra. You too. Have a great week. We'll we'll catch you guys next Monday. 